On October 11, 2018, Alhambra Source partnered with a coalition of community organizations to co-sponsor Kids and Candidates, a community engagement forum at Alhambra High School. Over 400 attended the free event, which included a live performance by the Alhambra High School Jazz Band, a public meet-and-greet with the Alhambra City Council candidates, and a roundtable discussion moderated by Tom Hollihan, professor and director of doctoral studies at the USC Annenberg School of Communications. Hollihan worked with local high school students to source questions for the candidates, some that were centered on affordable housing, traffic, and historic preservation. Three city council candidates participated in the discussion, including Catherine Lee, Andrea Lofthouse-Quisada, and Adele Andrade-Stadler. Candidates Laura Tellez, Gagliano, and Ross Massa declined due to a scheduling conflict. Julian Reyes and Susie Dunkel Soto did not respond to the invitation. Activities during the meet and greet included a voter registration table, a petition drive from the Vote at 16 campaign, high school clubs fundraising with popcorn sales, and booths manned by other community-focused groups. This recording begins with opening statements from the participating candidates. First up, Rapeto Elementary School teacher Catherine Lee. Good evening. It is great to come back to Alhambra High School, where I received my diploma years ago. I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking the time to participate in this pre-election process. Many voters do not have the opportunity to meet the candidates personally. Many voters only have access to the candidates' campaign literature and or media publications about the candidates. Only a fraction of the voters ever get to meet some or all of the candidates and engage in a meaningful discussion over city issues. Beginning earlier this year, I started talking to Alhambra residents to gather input, their input on various issues in Alhambra. As a result of my personal informal survey, traffic, high-density developments, and crime are the three main issues on their mind. For the remaining of the campaign season until November 6, I will continue to go to different events in Alhambra, parks and residential areas to meet and talk to more Alhambra residents. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. The next opening statement will be by Andrea Lafthaus-Quezada. Hi, thank you. Um, I couldn't be more proud to stand before you. Many of you guys are my students, parents of students, friends and family. I want to share my vision for Alhambra with you. Alhambra, in the future, will have high-paying jobs and abundant opportunity, something beyond our service economy. We need to be invested in, celebrated, included. We know, and I know, the answers are within our community right now, many of them right here. My vision includes new economic development and community participation. I imagine my students coming back from college so full of hope, full of talent and drive. My question is, how do we harness this energy? People like me, college educated, returning from college, often leave Alhambra. Why is that? Because of the lack of economic activity and cultural opportunities. We have a lost generation of leadership 
I will simply suggest that the fact that I am the only young person running for city council is proof in that pudding. We need leadership development for a new and better Alhambra. We can no longer wait. I need a city that recognizes and nurtures new leaders. We can't wait for local politicians to recognize the needs of our community. We cannot wait for stable housing for all of our residents. We need to be part of that 21st century that includes tech, arts and culture, and micro-enterprise development. We can no longer wait. I need to live in a city that serves the people, the all of us. I'm Andrea Lofthouse Casada. Thank you. The third opening statement will be delivered by Adele Andrea Statler. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you to the students and all the organizations that took the time to organize tonight's event. Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, who did Don Quixote, wrote, he who loses wealth loses much, but he who loses courage loses all. Thank you to the other candidates that are at the dais with me this evening for showing just that. Many times city council and school board races are quiet elections that don't get much fanfare. We know that local politics has one of the greatest impacts on the quality of life issues. As was mentioned, my name is Adele Andrade Stadler, and I am running for Alhambra City Council in the 5th District. My husband Joe and daughter Ramona and I have been living in Alhambra for 28 years. For 14 of those years, I have sat on the, the Alhambra Unified School Board and demonstrated experience creating policies for student learning. We live on Shorb Street, which is near what I refer to as ground zero for the 710 drop-off. It is where the pollution is the highest in the city of Alhambra. Some of the issues I would like to address are traffic safety, neighborhood revitalization for all neighborhoods, affordable housing, increase the green space, and improving our senior centers and parks. I would like to also include new commissions, commissioners who actually go to commission meetings and do work and advise council members. I would like to start with a new community relations and one that addresses women and girls. Because we have such broad, diverse population, it it's important work to better understand each other. Alhambra has good ideas for some of their events However, I'd like to encourage them to dig a little deeper and perhaps have speaker series about cultures to better understand. My vision, traffic thoroughfares that work more effectively, keeping our neighborhoods safe from crimes of opportunity. I want to help build a healthier environment and link our teachers' classrooms with the cities, ensuring equal resources for all neighborhoods. Thank you. Thank you, candidates, each of you, for those uh, very informative opening statements. 
The first question that I'm going to ask was actually suggested by Brandon Chow, a high school student here in Alhambra. And this question will be for uh, Catherine Lee, please. And we'll then let other candidates address either this question or questions on a similar theme. Brandon's question is as follows. There is an affordability crisis in housing in Alhambra. How can the city address this problem? What specific strategies might you identify? So Brandon, thank you for that question. Um, first of all, the city council and the planning commission has the power to look at developments that are coming in, that are proposed, and look at the city as a whole, whether that development is good for the average Alhambra renters in this case. I observed that there have been already at least one luxury apartments that were built on Main Street. And the pricing of that luxury apartments is not suitable for Alhambra renters. The Alhambra renters, the average median, the Alhambra median income is $53,000, more or less. And they're charging 2,000, actually about 2,100 now for a studio apartment. So, City Council and Planning Commission can look at that and say and re completely reject it. It takes a lot of guts because it's private industry. It's for profit, nothing else. Can Alhambra City Council and other city leaders stand up for Alhambra residents? And they should. And why am I looking at the luxury apartments only? Not, I'm not singling them out them out. However, other landlords are looking at the ceiling, the new high in the rental market. If Alhambra allows a luxury apartment to charge $2,100 or more for one bedroom, then other landlords, I'm not saying that they all will, they all will, because some landlords are more reasonable, but some landlords may be looking at that as their new comp. Therefore, the rental market is going to raise, be raised overall. So that's one thing that the city council can do. Thank you, Catherine. Andrea, would you like to take a turn at that question? Definitely. I think affordable housing is the defining political crisis in our state and local municipalities. We need to work in a concerted effort. That means doing inclusionary housing in all new developments. Of the thousand units built in our city in the last 10 years, none of those supported working families with affordable units. This is a shame. Beyond inclusionary housing ordinances in all of our new developments, we need to ensure that people can stay in their apartments. I myself live in an apartment. I talk to people all the time. 60% of Alhambra residents are renters. Let me give you a taste of what this looks like. In the last two years, rents going from 800 a month to 1500 a month. Formally, the city accepted 400 complaints about rental increases that they could not manage. This is a crisis. I lose three to five students every year to, because they can't afford to live here. Just last week, I learned two of my students had to move into a trailer in their grandma's backyard. This is a reality that hurts all of us. We need mutual responsibility. These are our people. All of them are our people. We need to get caught up and keep them in our city. Thank you. 
Um, Adele, the, the topic of increasing rents came up in that answer. Do you favor or oppose rent control? And if so, why? If not, why not? So um, there is a proposition on the ballot, which is Prop 10. And I know we've all gone back and forth as to see what, what it'll actually do when passed. I primarily support it for a number of reasons, one of which it gives cities control over how to plan for affordable housing and for rent control. Um, with the increases, right now they have no control over it, even though some people say they do, they don't because of Costa-Hawkins. Allows for certain housing to be, to move to a certain amount. And then in addition to that, once new ten well, tenants leave, then they can increase the rent. But I think Prop 10 is getting a really bad rap, and I did a little bit more digging deep on the research. And um, I, I, this article out of Sacramento Bee in the legislative, I think it was the LAO uh, office, which is the legislative office administrators, um, there's a claim that rent control laws hurt production of new housing, and it really is misleading because in history in California, construction has fallen on broad economic downturns and on upswings, and whether a city has strong rent control or not. So zoning laws and community opposition factors into investors' financial decisions. It'll help Prop 10. Prop 10 will control current costs. It may make it a little harder for new renters coming in, but it will control the costs. So yes, I support Prop 10 because I want to make the one. I want to be the one to make a decision as a council member. Um, out of, I guess I need two more votes. But yes, and we need to plan better when we allow developers to come in. And I know they have certain rights to do that. And we could do that by putting ordinances in place. Thank you. If, if people would hold their applause, I would, I would be most appreciative. You'll, you will get an opportunity to show your appreciation for these candidates at the end of the forum, but it just takes time away from their ability to clarify issues for you. Um, I, I would like to give the other two candidates a chance to talk about rent control, since I think it is such a pressing and a controversial issue in Alhambra and in other cities. Uh, Catherine, do you want to go first? Sure. Yes, uh, like, uh, just like Andrea had mentioned, 60% of Alhambra residents are renters. How do we help our renters? Um, rent control is one option. Um, however, there's some pros and cons with that, with rent control. One is that landlord or landlords in general are reluctant to improve the building condition. So that's one thing that we're concerned about. On the other hand, it does give the renters a, a way to budget because they know exactly what rent they're going to be paying. However, I do feel that there are other options also that we need to explore besides rent control. There's one thing that I'm going off a little off topic. Is that okay? It's about helping renters. Uh, one of the teacher friend that was renting on Chapel, she and her boyfriend and other tenants were evicted because they're building an Airbnb. That's a new phenomenon. We need to look into that. Will the city of Alhambra allow more Airbnb be built in Alhambra? Because 
the owners want more profit. And that is the major concern right now. And uh, these are all things that we need to look at. And we also, I'm also concerned about renters who are one paycheck away or two paychecks away from being homeless with a rent increase of three or $400. Their budget is so tight. They could very well, in a month or two, live in their cars if there are no family or a friend support. And I personally have met quite a few people who live in their cars. And it's, it's something that uh, it becoming a growing such events. So the city can set aside some of its fund to help out with those people that need some temporary re relief. Thank you very much. Andrea, would you like to uh, tell us how you feel about rent control? Definitely. Um, thank you, Tom. So I fully support Prop 10, which is a repeal of a current state law. Just for your information, California State Legislature, um, on a vote of two to two, did not do this work. They could have done this over the summer, but they did not. Prop, t uh, Prop 10 is what would allow for municipalities to apply rent control to buildings built after 1973. Let me tell you that in Alhambra, I support this, but with a caveat, because so many of our um, apartment owners actually live in those apartment buildings. So I would only continue with a policy like this of rent control with um, buildings of more than 10 units or property owners of more than 10 units. Having said that, let's go to the research. The only large-scale rent control research available is from Stanford University. What they saw after, I believe, 10 years of implementing rent control in the city of San Francisco was home ownership went up by 10% in the city and rents across the city had only raised 5%. This is a win-win situation for our local economy and for our residents. There is always recourse for owners in programs, not in program, it's a thing, it's called a rent control board. Again, this is a win-win and in a housing crisis, it's necessary to follow through and support things like Prop 10 and rent control. Thank you, thank you very much. Please, hold, hold your applause, please. Amanda Tang, a high school student, has asked the following question that I would like Adele to take the first, uh, first attempt at answering. The question is, would you prioritize the building of affordable housing or the development of upscale luxury housing in Alhambra? Is, is that either or? I guess that's an either or. I, I think I sort of answered that. Um, I think we have plenty of luxury housing already, so I would lean more towards affordable, providing affordable housing and planning on where to place it um, with every other uh, construction work done. It needs to be implemented immediately. Thank you. To, to be more granular and specific, uh, Alhambra currently has 345 affordable senior housing units. Uh, do you support a policy that would require all new developments or perhaps even property transfers of buildings with, say, eight or more units to require a certain number of those units be set aside for senior citizens or other low-income residents? Catherine. Yes, I do support that. Um, the, 
the funding coming in do stipulate that. So I do support that. And we do have a lot of senior citizens in this city, but there will also have a lot of low-income residents in this city. Yes, I do. Andrea. Could you repeat the question? I just want to make sure I'm getting right to the nut of it. Would you support a, a, a policy that required every unit or every apartment building with, say, eight or more units that is either built or transferred to have a certain number of units set aside for low-income residents? Absolutely. I think it's necessary to have inclusionary housing in all of our new development. It is the very least of what we owe ourselves. And Adele? So absolutely. Um, I, one thing that I think we need to take a look at too is we have a lot of housing for, well, we don't have a lot of housing. We need more housing for students who are attending Cal State LA. Um, I had a friend of mine share with me um, the fact that some housing is included in college when you uh, freshman and sophomore year. But by the time uh, those students become juniors, they lose that housing, and so they become homeless. Many of them are, and living out of their cars. So it seems to me like we can be utilizing some of the older buildings, or maybe the buildings that are closer to Cal State LA, and think about creating more housing for our students at Cal State LA. Thank you. It, it seems the progressive candidates on uh, the topic of rent control and housing turned out tonight. Uh, this next question is mine. And anyone who knows me knows that this is the kind of question I would ask. I think traffic in Los Angeles is soul killing. And I think traffic in Alhambra can be especially soul killing. Uh, so my question is, what moves would each of you take to try to get Angelinos and others and Alhambrans out of their cars and onto functional, workable, dependable mass transit systems? Uh, let's have Adele take the first whack at that question. So for many years, I'm sure many of you in the audience, those of you that are a little older, Remember when we took the RTD before it became the NTA? And we took that to school and we took it to the park and we took it everywhere because we couldn't afford a car or we were sharing it with three or four other brothers and sisters. And so I utilized the bus a lot. And one thing I did notice when I went from Monterey Park to Alhambra is there's a lot less bus service and a lot less MTA buses moving through the larger uh, uh, streets like Garfield. Oh, Garfield is probably the worst for a bus. And, and Fremont, Atlantic is probably very good because it goes all the way to the beach. But So I would ask MTA, uh, no, I would ask MTA, I would advocate for more bus service for all of us. And in addition to that, I would ask us to start getting out of our cars and actually taking, um, we have in the city these smaller buses or whatever they're called, I call them colectivas, okay? Because that's what they're called in Mexico, but they're just little, small, they cost a quarter. Our kids are packed in them every day to come go to Alhambra High. I see them, I've ridden it with them. So we need more of those, and we need them to be clean buses. We need them to be electric buses so that we can not have them polluting more of, the, uh, of our skies. In addition, 
Every San Gabriel Valley city of surrounding the city of Alhambra has a bike plan. Thank you. Catherine, any specific strategies that you would have to uh, get people out of their cars? Okay, this is gonna relax me a little bit. I don't have the band floor. I was just talking to my uh, chaperone, Jonathan. Where are you? Are you still in this room? He's very excited about taking the act. There you are, okay. Act Green Line, and I purposely asked him about taking a, a public transportation in the city. And he's excited because it takes him to King Taco. <laughs> he's 16 years old. So that said, what I think it's going to take for Alhambra, Los Angeles, Angelino is the fact that the pu public transportation is that you could have express lines that would take you certain popular places that people like to go a lot. So it's just a short trip, and instead of going to your cars and trying to find parking when you get there, you take that express line. It takes you to uh, wherever you want, O-Town, Arcadia Mall, whatever. It's going to be multi-city collaboration. That's not happening. So if I want to go to downtown, I could take an express lane as well to specific uh, uh, places. It, the current public transportation has a, a reputation of you have a way a long time and there might be people uh, a certain time of the day where people are afraid to get on there. I, that's to be honest. So for me to get out of my car to go to, uh, to go grocery shopping is going to be very difficult. But I will if I only have to pick up a, a small bag. But the buses have to come much more frequently. And they need to come into more in the residential area, like Alhambra Road. Is, there's no bus line there. So it's going to take a multiple approaches for people to get out of their cars, like me. Thank you. You want to answer this, too? All right. Yeah, so I couldn't agree more that traffic is soul-crushing. That's why I got rid of my car last year. I moved back here to Alhambra. I walk ride my motorcycle or take Lyft to work here at the high school. Um, this is part of our future. We need cities that are pedestrian friendly. We need to change how we think and plan for Alhambra's future. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is we need safer streets so that children walk to school. They don't get dropped off. Statistics say that 30 years ago, 60% of school children walked to school. Today, the estimates for the San Gabriel Valley are 10%, um, and this is statistics coming from the Bike SGV group. Last but not least, we just need to get cars off the road. And to do that, you have to have reliable alternatives, and lots of them. So for me, that means walking. For other people, that might mean scooting, like literally scooters, I know. No one thought they were going to come here to hear about scooters, but scooters get people around. Um, bike rental programs. I don't know, how else do we get cars off the road? We look at our past. We were the first red car. Main Street in 1950 brought people between downtown and Arcadia. We look at our future, the state of California, first mile, last mile. We, that's where we're going, um, first mile, last mile says that every city, when they create their vision, they must consider how people get to work using regional transit. The first mile 
is how do you get to transit. The last mile is how do you get to your job. This is our future, public transit. And safer streets. God, it's so scary walking around Alhambra. So I'm all about creating public forums so that we can create actionable solutions. Thank you very much. Uh, Adele mentioned the MTA board, and that seems like a good place to start a question. As near as I have been able to determine, Alhambra does not figure in any of the light rail planning uh, systems that are going forward. Yet just to the north of Alhambra in South Pasadena or just to the south in East LA, there are transit hubs both on the Gold Line. What steps could the council in Alhambra do to leverage the resources of this city in order to either build a light rail north-south connector or else to build dependable, reliable shuttle service that would transport people from Alhambra to the light rail line. Since many, many, many studies say it's difficult to get middle and upper income people onto buses, but that they will use light rail. Adele, do you want to start since you brought up the board? How are we going to get the city of Alhambra to do this while I'm, when I'm a, a council member? So there's Measure R dollars that are waiting to be spent. Um, there's, in addition to that, there's developers waiting in the wings to build, you know, housing or whatever housing. I would say that maybe together, having affordable housing in an area that is like Pasadena in that it has um, smart development, smart growth, and is on a, a rail line, if you will. I would just support doing a light rail um, to close that gap. That's, what, four miles? Um, it, it makes a little more sense to be able to do that. And then in addition to that, those ACT buses that we talked about, um, I don't know what why we wouldn't be able to have a contract or an agreement with the city of um, Pasadena, South Pasadena, and the, and to, to act, actually allow the ACT bus to go out of our border and go up. Okay. Uh, Catherine, you want to uh, explain how we might uh, get Alhambra to stop punching below its weight on the MTA board and exercise more influence? Um, I think I'm going to pass this one for now. Okay. You're going to oh, pass I, this one too? Oh, no, I want to talk. All right, please. I, I'm, I'm, she gets her two minutes. I, I really like talking policy and what's possible in the future. So I think when we, we look at this question of how do we connect to these regional transits, for me, it goes back to this idea that circulation, how people get around a city, is something you can see from the 30,000 foot level and that you live in your day-to-day -day reality. This is why we really need to put a lot of heads together and get everyone on board in finding alternatives to car travel because it will make everyone's life better to utilize all of this shift that we're talking about at the state level. We have federal monies coming into Metro and I think that's the critical thing is knowing that it's not about money it's about political will. 
Let me repeat that. In a world where we're scared of not having enough money, there is enough money. We need to make our bike lanes amazing. We need our planners to create hubs. We love parking lots in Alhambra. Man, imagine all those hubs. LA County workers, right? We got two major job hubs. Heck, let's look at where people are going when they leave their service sector jobs. Those people need someone like me to say, guess what? When you're working for 825 an hour, damn straight someone better be figuring out how you can get to work easily. I'm just gonna end on that note because these realities matter. Thank you very much. Many, many cities are introducing bike lanes and bikes have already come up in the answers by a couple of these candidates. But we also know that there are trade-offs to bikes, not the least of which is they often shrink the size of streets by taking away a traffic lane and thus intensifying some of the traffic flow problems, and that there are safety issues with bikes intersecting with traffic that's moving at a high rate of speed, increasingly even through residential streets because of new technology like Waze that finds shortcuts for people. So I would like to ask each of these candidates if they favor the dedication of more bike lanes, and if so, how they would assure that those bike lanes didn't actually complicate the flow of traffic, and how they would assure bike safety. Catherine, you want to try this one? I, I watched a young man. I think he was going to Alhambra High School with, uh, on a bike. Um, he was traveling on Atlantic Boulevard, and I felt for, for, for his life, actually, to be, to be honest. So, but I knew that that was his transportation of choice. So I do know there are people who bike, who prefer, who have to bike because they don't have a car. They cannot afford a car. So that said, how can we do, what can we do to accommodate the bikers? They are gonna bike regardless there's a bike lane or not. So uh, the only way I can think of on major street would be to uh, unfortunately take away some of the parking spaces along Atlantic, Atlantic Boulevard and Garfield. Some of the Atlantic Boulevard parking spaces are not utilized all the time. So I think the city needs to consider the bikers' uh, safety. Maybe think, look at the traffic flow as well as the need for parking on Atlantic Boulevard and as well as Garfield. That's something that we can look at. Thank you. Adele? Sure. I think definitely we would need to start with obviously a plan. We would need to study the system of, of how the traffic is flowing, and then we would need an educational campaign. My husband was an avid cyclist, um, you know, with Ephraim Moreno, would cycle to, you know, the beach and to Yosemite and all these, all these amazing places where cyclists go. They know the rules of the road. Good cyclists know the rules. Not everybody knows what those rules are. They should be moving with traffic as quickly and as best they can. You, when you plan to have bike lanes, you learn how to drive better. You learn how to include them in the, in the actual system. So it would, we would need a, a definitely big campaign and I would you know, have people in place who would be able to give their professional background on how to ride a bike properly. 
just a couple brief comments. Um, so the bike plans that have been used throughout the San Gabriel Valley were coordinated by Bike, SGV, and a lot of other coalition members. Um, Alhambra is late to the bike lane game, but bike lanes are part of our current general plan. What I noticed when I studied the general plan is that some of those bike lanes were in fact targeted in areas where they have a high young population, so basically around schools. I think the key thing is, all of these things have to be intentional. So if I'm gonna say, residents, I need you to compromise the speed of your car for the health and safety of our children, I better have a plan. And I would really love to support our youth by encouraging, so again, where would I make sure they are? They need to be around schools, okay? Like I said, the general plan does include bike lanes, and I'm going to fully support their implementation. But I think it's important when you do mess with people's streets that you explain to the residents why you're doing it. So you have to do that education. You have to get out in front and say, look, I know you're going to drive 25 miles an hour as opposed to 35, but it's worth it for our health, both the environmental health and for the physical health of our, of our families and kids. Thank you. Uh, two students independently, Amanda Tang and Joseph Pandor, both raised the following questions, uh, which I've sort of slightly reworded to put them together. They observe many motorists in Alhambra don't bother to stop for pedestrians, especially when making right turns. What would you do as a council member to ensure that we could improve traffic safety and protect our pedestrians? This is extremely important question I, and I want to thank the students for coming up with it because I know they live it every day. Um, we lost a student over near New Avenue and um, I was on the traffic commission I think when that that took place and also, so um, that, that was a, a real painful thing for our community. And it, it took a while for council to put a light there. Um, we had students going up to the council and, and requesting that, um, that very thing. Everyone knew that that area was very dangerous because of the number of cars that go by and they go quickly. Um, so it's those areas that we need to look at real closely. Um, traffic commissioners can do that. They can ask for those reports when the traffic commissioners meet, which is not very often. Um, so I would change that and make sure my traffic commissioners will be working quite often. Um, I also um, wanna say I was very proud that the council actually put one on Valley near the wonderful Boba place where our students cross each and every day in mass numbers. So it's those things they learned. Um, we could all learn more. Thank you. Either of the others? Catherine, do you want to? I personally are aware of two particular incidents. One involved a elementary student 
on our hammer row who was hit, and unfortunately, he passed away. And uh, so after that, Alhambra City uh, made the crosswalk, put blinking lights on the crosswalk for special device. That's one thing that Alhambra City can do. I'm also aware of another incident that happened on Valley Boulevard where three office workers crossed the street, and it was a crosswalk, and they were hit as well. One of them were hit. After that, the Alhambra Police Department did a two-week monitoring of that area, and they issued probably, I don't know how many tickets they issued for people, drivers speeding through that area. So that's the kind of thing that Alhambra Police Department need to do. If there are particular corners where pedestrians can be, have been hit or is a problem area, then we need to take very strong measure to make sure that it's safe. So it really involves the, the work of the Alhambra Police Department. Thank you. So um, I try not to use the word crisis too much, but um, in addition to affordable housing, I think traffic safety is a crisis. Uh, LA specifically has the highest number of traffic-related deaths in all of the United States. One local municipality, that is LA City, found this to be such a huge issue that they created a citywide campaign called Vision Zero. I had the opportunity to meet one of the people working on that project. And let me tell you, if there's ever a need for an artist and a creative thinker, it is the cultural shift and the shift in focus to get motorists to pay attention while they're driving. I can't tell you life is easy. I can't tell you you need to pay attention to pedestrians. Life is not easy. You have to use magic and a heck of a lot of work to get people to start to see the children, the elders, the cyclists. So um, having said that, I think we need to go to the public, again, in a public forum style, and start to bring awareness. If we create a citywide campaign, that means that we are gonna be changing people's attention. That's how you get their hearts involved, by saying it's a social responsibility issue. We are each other's keepers. From there, we need to enlist experts like um, Alan Nagawa. He's the artist who was working with Vision Zero in LA City. But these are really hearts and minds issues. People aren't gonna let their kids walk to school. They're not gonna let their kids play outside. They can't. Um, especially when we have families on streets like Valley, Garfield, and Atlantic. We all need to be part of this solution. Thank you. Let's change the topic a little bit. Ryan Wu, a high school student, wants to know what steps you would take to protect Alhambra's historic neighborhoods from development and renovation. Who would like to go first? Very quickly, I'll just say historic preservation um, is a necessary effort in our city. We have the greatest uh, architectural diversity in all of LA County. It's part of our identity. It makes us joyful. I walk down the street looking at all the different house styles and I love it. Um, being that architecture is part of our identity, ensuring that we have a historic preservation ordinance means that Again, we're heightening a conversation to the city level. 
and we're enriching our lives through the city we live in. We don't all have to look the same. We are going to have development. But we can be a little Mayberry, we can be a little Hong Kong, and we can be a little Palm Springs. Because I'll tell you right now, mid-century modern architecture is my favorite, and you all have to know that. There's a quiz after. <laughs> mid-century modern. <laughs> I'm going to ask this question, given, given that answer, I'm going to ask the question in a slightly different way for the other candidates, but it actually gets them to talk about the same topic. Another uh, person suggested a question to me that said, Alhambra boasts many different architectural styles, including um, Victorian arts and crafts, Spanish colonial revival, art deco, mid-century modern. Do you support the adoption of a historical preservation ordinance that specifically protects this diversity? And if so, what steps would you take to get such an ordinance passed? Yes, and show up. <laughs> Short and sweet. Catherine. I do support uh, some type of ordinance that will preserve a selected uh, set of architectural traditional homes in Alhambra. Craftsman, colonial. I happen to live in a colonial home that belonged to the Bing family. And uh, there are many other styles as uh, as Ryan mentioned. However, we also have to be very careful about limiting too much that the owner or the future owner cannot upgrade the homes because of the aesthetics. For example, safety issues and things like that. And I do um, support the Alhambra Preservation Group in terms of taking inventory of what is what are in the Alhambra city right now. Taking inventory of that of all the homes and uh, maybe bring the, we'll bring them to a city council and we'll look at granting some special status for the, some of the homes. That'll be the first step that city council can take. Thank you. Following up on that question in still a different way for Andrea, mm -hmm. a questioner said, with new developments and remodeling, many Alhambra neighborhoods have become a crazed mishmash of architectural styles. Do you favor city laws or ordinances that might impose some discipline on such developments? Um, discipline, okay. So I think the key thing is, when you have diversity, you have to embrace the strengths of diversity. So if you have a neighborhood that has a mixture of craftsmen and say that Hong Kong style, you have to innovate. You have to go to people and say, we all live in the same neighborhood. What does it look like? What does the future look like? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to seem too dreamy about this, but I guess the promise of having all these different architectural styles is that as we build new developments, we can hearken back to those legacy buildings that we love. My fear is that moving forward, we're going to lose Tui's restaurant. What is the corner of Atlantic, Garfield, and Huntington Drive going to look like if we lose that building? Well, I'll tell you, if we lose it and we have to build something else, I'm going to fight to make sure at least some of the design elements are included in that new design. This is what I had hoped for the library. When we lost the library at the end of Main Street, for me personally, 
I, I grew up going to that library, it was a real heartache. I lost my sense of identity with that edge of Main Street. I wish that current multi-use development had some of those design elements, where whether it's the coral trees, the arching of the Spanish revival style. It's not Spanish revival, it's a little later, but anyway, I think using design elements, you can keep people feeling connected to their neighborhoods, even though it is what you might say a um, hybrid. Hybrid sounds nicer than mishmash. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> how, how, how do you feel about what's called birthday caking or building big mansion-style houses on relatively small lots in neighborhoods that are currently composed of relatively small one-story houses? Adele? I don't particularly like it. I think it looks terrible. We had guidelines before um, that only allowed for certain, what they referred to as mansionization in our neighborhoods. It was on the books uh, way back when. I uh, support a preservation ordinance. I support keeping homes that were built in 1920 or, or below that, or earlier than that, intact. There's a reason for that. If folks choose to buy a home, they buy it because of its character. Mine was built in 1925, and somebody put some things on the outside of it that looked like from 1950s, and they ruined the front end of our Spanish-style home. I, I would try and keep it the same as much as possible. That is why people purchase those homes. So I'm not for the mishmash, nor am I for adding and attaching other things onto something that originally has such character, and it is part of Alhambra, and that character deserves to stay the way it is. Catherine, you're the only one who really talked about the property rights here. Do you want to weigh back in on this question, or have you said what you need to say on it? Could you repeat that question about the, uh, the mansionization? Mansionization, or the building of very large multi-story houses in neighborhoods or in blocks that otherwise have primarily smaller homes, one-story homes. Well, that's easy for me. I'm totally against it. Okay. Oh, can I Sure. So it's really interesting. Growing up, my best friend's family actually was that person. They built that big house on Monterey Road. So in my team, my, my leadership team, we talk about, well, what is this whole thing about progress? And I am for a historic preservation ordinance, but I want to tell you that if we have a resident who's so passionate about displaying their wealth, their whatever, and they're gonna fight tooth and nail to, to build that house? Well, I think we need to take a moment and find out, again, like I, I support the preservation ordinance, but I think there has to be a space for people um, who are, yeah, pursuing their own identity through remodeling. Uh, there's a space for this. Right? 
I, I don't know how that would look in terms of zoning and exceptions, but the reality is our city makes zoning exceptions for developers all the time. I'd prefer those zoning exceptions be for individual residents. Thank you. In, in my neighborhood, which happens not to be in Alhambra, uh, many of my neighbors are converting their homes into multifamily uh, residences in order to get some rental income. Uh, they defend it on the basis of its benefit to help solve the housing shortage, but it makes streets that are already crowded even more crowded and more narrow, uh, particularly troublesome in Alhambra's hilly neighborhoods, perhaps, such as the one that I used to live in when I did live in Alhambra. How do you feel about turning R1 properties into multifamily properties? So those are referred to as granny flats, right? Everybody remembers that term because that's what they were referred to, um, I think, way before I was born. Um, but Alhambra does have an ordinance for allowing that. That was their response to affordable housing. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's their uh, response to it, and I appreciate that they were responding. Um, what I do have a problem with, because I've been walking the neighborhoods, is adding on to a granny flat that obstructs people's views. So a, a fellow I, I encountered said, you know, I, I don't have anything against a granny flat, but now I, I don't have the same view of the San Gabriel Mountains that I did before. So his house, because his neighbor across the way or right in back of him did that, they added to a granny flat on top and it obstructs his view. Well, that's not fair. So, so we need to be very cautious with the ordinances. When we do them, they need to be meaningful and they need to do exactly what they were set out to do, is to provide affordable housing for someone. Are we good? Anyone else want to? I'd love to. So, of course, I want to agree with Adele in saying that the granny fleck or the accessory um, dwelling unit is really important in our battle to keep people here in Alhambra. It's part of addressing the housing crisis. Um, it actually was a state mandate. So the state of California said, municipalities, you may not restrict this. So this is actually statewide we're saying this. I think it's really interesting because we have an aging population. Um, what we see is single family homes that traditionally would have housed three, uh, not three, but five members of a family are now occupied by one or two aging members of a family. So the granny flat actually what that does is it takes underutilized, you know, uh, single-family residences and brings it back up to par with maybe five people living in that same space. Um, so this is a phenomenon we see specifically in Alhambra. Think about your seniors that live in your neighborhood. Actually, I think granny flats can improve the quality of those neighborhoods because those seniors need care and they need social connections. We know the reality of a, a family of five is different than the reality of one senior living in a R1 space. So what I would say to those of you who are really concerned about things like accessory dwellings is let's make sure that we're caring for each other. There's that sense of mutual responsibility. 
but we need to also make sure that your government, your planning commission, sees you. We want you to get involved. And I, and I, I would insist if you have these things in your neighborhood that you come to city planning uh, or city planning commission meetings. Catherine, one of the concerns about some of these granny flat conversions is that parking set-asides aren't changed. And so suddenly you get many more cars that are trying to park on the street. Any thoughts on that? Yes, that could be a, an implication for this. Um, so, well, one of the reasons why people want to do that is because they're aging parents. Usually senior citizens do not drive or they have only one car. So I think that will uh, minimize the possibility of too many extra cars on the street. And so I do support this, uh, even though parking could be an issue, but I, I am sympathetic for families who want to bring their aging parents with, on the property. Uh, caretaking for aging parents is very expensive. My dad happened to live in a convalescent care, and which is already a very reasonable, but it's 3,000 a month. They could range up to 6,000 a month. So that said, uh, I'm very sympathetic for family who have aging parents. It's very cost effective to have them live in the backyard, and they normally do not require a car. Thank you. Despite boasting a significant and noteworthy history, the city of Alhambra has never conducted a city, citywide inventory to identify its significant historical, architectural, or cultural resources. Would you support funding such an inventory? And if so, how would you ensure its successful completion? I'd love to address this. Please. So let's start with the fact that architecture is culture, and culture gives us meaning. We owe it to ourselves to make an, an inventory of our architectural styles, and then we owe it to ourselves to go a step further and be innovative about it. I just, I can't get over my passion, to be honest. Like, you have to know, I walk around this city every day giving myself little architectural tours. I want my students to give you an architectural tour of the three-block radius around our high school. An inventory of our architectural history is going to give us a sense of civic pride, a sense of belonging. It is going to show that diversity is a strength. So yes, let's, let's do an asset map. That, that's the technical term for looking at these different architectural gems. Let's look at them, let's find them, let's publicize this beautiful thing that makes us uniquely Alhambra. Thank you. Would you support the establishment of a Mills Act program to provide tax relief to those who own historic homes? Adele. I guess it depends on how much tax relief we're giving them. I'm sorry. I guess it would depend on what is the Mills tax um, rate look like? It's usually a, a reduction of up to 30% of taxes, I think, is, is uh, common. So for a historical home, let's say, that was built in the 1900s, it would get a percentage of tax off because it remains so. And on the assumption that maintenance of such a home is much more expensive. 
don't have a problem with that. Okay. Any of the other candidates, Mr. Well, we will tax you on other things. <laughs> I think we all love to have tax deduction, but in this situation, without knowing all the full details, I feel there's a. It may not be too. It may not be fair for other property owners, so I'm not for that. Matt, please. I want to say that here in Alhambra, we love tax deductions. Those tax deductions, though, don't usually go to individual residents. I don't mean to be so cynical, but the reality is, in encouraging economic development, we give tax breaks to lots of people. Why not make it easier for people to remodel their homes and maintain these cultural assets? Thank you. Many of the students that uh, I met with a couple of weeks ago had the concern that Alhambra was comparatively park poor and that there was a distinct shortage of green spaces and recreational spaces. How might you address this problem? Catherine, you want to go To increase green space, there are certain options that are being put out on the table at this point, one of which is the um, Almanzar Golf Course. Um, another one will be more pocket parks. There are long, uh, there's a certain area around the city, and I think that f whatever is the eventual choice, we have to look at the costs and implications. Uh, definitely want to have more green space, but I, I am going to very much insist that the, the additional green space will be drought resistant. The cost of water has been going up, so the city needs to be much more accountable for spending its revenue on green space. Again, I'm all for green space, but we have to make sure it's drought resistant. Thank you. Andrea? Sure. Um, so I'm really happy that the conversation has started about converting the golf course to a park. Um, I'll explain that in a moment, but I also want to say that whatever efforts we do have to be two-pronged. That means encouraging plants, green space, and beautification of our neighborhoods on smaller scale, on the smaller scale, while we pursue open space at a larger scale. Okay, we can't just do one; it's not fair. What we see is that in um, so there's been a lot of studies about what green space does for residents. If you have 12 trees on your city block, we have a quantifiable money number for how much better your health outcomes are. We need at least 12 trees on each city block here in Alhambra. There are programs like Lots to Spots that specialize in writing grants, organize permitting processes so that residents can form coalitions to convert alleyways, and otherwise blighted areas into pocket parks. These are not impossibilities. These are matters of political will. So knowing that, we owe it to each neighborhood, each child that is growing up in those neighborhoods to develop smaller scale parks and green spaces. We also need to look at the reality of converting the golf course. There's a line item in our budget for 2019, $1.2 million for that golf course. No one talks about this line item. The LA Superior Court brought up our golf course as a civil rights issue. 
saying to the Department of Parks and Recs, what are you doing with an underutilized golf course when you have a park poor city? Give me a frickin' break. We need to convert that golf course to open space and we need to give people from the neighborhood north of Mission access to that space while we develop our other things. Thank you very much. Adele, I, I do want you to answer, but I want to add one little wrinkle for you. How about a dog park? Don't you think Alhambrans need a dog park? So Shibi would love that. That's my dog. Um, I, I, I did want to answer some of that question. Uh, we have several joint use projects with the city. We are the Alhambra Unified School District. Um, we have one in Alhambra at Moore Field. Uh, we have one in Monterey Park, I believe, in Sunnyvale, at Sunnyvale Park, and one in Rosemead. So the city and the school district have worked hard to increase green space and to share that green space because there's very little of it. Um, I'm, that's not coming to anybody's rescue. It is just a fact, and so you need to know that. Um, the golf course in the, in the budget is not managed correctly. And I'll tell you why. Because golf courses should be giving back. They're, they make money, but they should be giving back to the city. The golf course, it, it's, it's not giving back. It needs to give back. Thank you. I've, I've got several uh, questions that came from high school students. That are, that are challenging questions for council members to ask, but I think are nonetheless important and significant questions. And they focus, they ask the questions in a slightly different way, but they focus on the diversity of the Alhambra community. Students note, for example, that according to the US Census Bureau, almost 50% of Alhambra residents are foreign born and 73% of the families speak a language other than English at home. So the students want to know how the council might develop strategies to engage such foreign-born people who aren't necessarily accustomed to the patterned ways of the American democratic experience and participation in civic life. Catherine, would you like to go first with that one? Yes, um, modeling after the Alhambra School District, which has the exact same demographic, the city needs to make sure that all important literature going out to the residents or available at the city hall are translated. So that's a basic service. And uh, if we have any sort of town hall meetings or any sort of events, it also need to be, uh, there has to be translator there. So that's something that that the city can provide on a basic level. Thank you. Please. Yeah, of course. Um, so as many of you know, I got my start in community organizing for the sole purpose of bringing together our diverse ethnic communities here in Alhambra. This is at the heart and soul of my work. Um, not only am I a high school teacher here, but I think that, again, we owe it to ourselves to engage everyone in politics, to engage everyone in democracy. There's not just one group that has the lion's share of ideas and solutions. Just like we can't say that one group needs 
or deserves or is entitled to all the power. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to keep doing what I've already done. To encourage civic engagement, I advocate for interpretation at all city hall meetings, period. Three out of four of our households speak a language other than English. To get people involved in civic engagement, like basically civic engagement means that you feel like you're entitled and you feel like you belong. So that's where my arts and culture background matters because arts and culture is what brings people together. It gives them that sense of belonging. So part of what I would say is developing that cultural affairs department in Alhambra is gonna bring more people to the voting booth. It's gonna bring more people to city hall because more people are gonna, be wanna, are gonna wanna be part of our democracy. I could go on and on, but I believe we owe it to ourselves to bring all these folks in, in the language in which they have mastery, in a way so that they know they are cared for and their needs are gonna be met. Um, yeah, I can't speak enough. These are the residents that I am here to advocate for. I don't wanna advocate for them. I want them to advocate for themselves. Democracy is a big table. There's room for all of us at it. Thank you very much. Adele, please. So right now, thank you students for that outstanding question, by the way. Right now, the federal government, as our, our students are uh, responding with this question, is looking at eliminating a box that would count immigrant families. So what we can do is to work with the LA County, because California is so different from the rest of the country. I heard from Gavin Newsom tonight, and they're ready to roll. Okay, LA County is gonna work with our cities and of course council members have to make sure they're working with LA County to come up with a supplemental census portion that'll count immigrants. Because the big picture here is it's money that we lose. I don't mean to make it a, a, do a dollar and cents thing, but dollar and cents means resources for families. So it is a dollar and cents thing. And we're not gonna, California's not gonna let it go. And they're not gonna let it happen. We are too diverse and uh, um, I, I, I'm excited about this. At the same time, I'm very angry. Um, and I think we need to just um, make sure that whoever is elected to the city, that we're on them uh, about this, working with the county. And I hope our school district is involved. I know our school district will be involved. Um, right, Bob Jen? Thanks. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ask one more question of each of the three candidates before we proceed to closing statements. And that question is this one. There are 88 cities in Los Angeles County. What do you think is unique about Alhambra? How would you celebrate this uniqueness, share it with others, and use it to attract new businesses and new investments to the city. Catherine. Okay. Alhambra is a historical city. Uh, Norman Rockwell, the famous artist, and his friends used to stay in Alhambra in District 1 during summer. So there are many things that Alhambra residents can be proud of. We can advertise that um, and preserve the beauty of the city 
And uh, we can welcome tourists. And uh, there's a historical society building right on Alhambra Road. These are things that we can do modestly. And uh, Alhambra, however, its size itself and the traffic as is, I do not want to, I really don't want to make it into a tourist town. That's for sure. The traffic is very difficult to navigate already. But Alhambra itself has many beauties that we can uh, have publications and uh, we could have tours of all the traditional homes and historical homes. Thank you. Andrea. So, I, I mean, I just love this question because it's about the future. And the reason why I'm running is because of the promise and potential of our amazing city. Uh, I've talked at length about the architecture. I haven't had a chance to talk about the space for innovation in our food culture. I'm advocating for a food leadership council so that we can not only train new cooks, but celebrate, honor those people that have worked so hard to make us a food destination. Can you imagine that it took someone like Jonathan Gold to bring our restaurants to the public consciousness? We could have been doing that for years. We need to see those assets like food, architecture, the number of cultural leaders that live here in Alhambra but that work in the city of LA is astounding. I call this the constellation. This is why you need to elect me, because of the social capital I hold. I have connections to the cultural leaders of this city. They simply do not have a place to work here. We could be driving our economy in terms of arts and culture in a way that we need rent control. I am serious, some of the best poets, muralists, painters live here in our city. These are all of our untapped cultural assets. Beyond that, our density means that we can always generate more money by building into these smaller communities. Why isn't it that we have coffee shops on every other corner? Why don't we have the bodegas? We need to support microenterprise. All of these things are gonna move forward with technology. And that's where I really need everyone to see. Technology is a source of jobs. It's what our youth offer, and we need them to make all of these things possible. Thank you. Adele. So we are the gateway to the San Gabriel Valley. I think that's just a a beautiful definition of who we are. But our true definition are the people that live in Alhambra, and that's all of you, most of you. Um, we are defined by who, who lives in our city. And so a celebration of diversity is definitely in need. We sort of be, we're sort of inside our homes and we keep to ourselves and we're bugged by each other and, you know, I think we need to have more events where we bring folks out and we celebrate our diversity. I'd like to see us support more mom and pop shops. We see those going under much faster than the franchises that are popping up. I'm not critical too much of franchises. However, I'd like to see more mom and pop shops. And, 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 and also, you know, what's wrong with bringing Amazon in here? You know, we need jobs for our kids. We need, uh, we need to put our, 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 we need to have more recruitment from our firefighters and our police department and our 
other public um, you know, servants. We need to put our kids to work. Um, so jobs are extremely important. Amazon is really, really big w with that respect. So um, I think um, we need to celebrate us, move forward, but we need new ideas. And um, I have a lot of them. Thank you. And now we'll proceed to closing statements. And the order was previously established. So Adele, you'll go first, followed by Andrea, and then Catherine. So under my leadership in the Alhambra Unified School District, we supported students and staff with effective instruction, mental health support, fiscally responsible budget every single year. Never have we been in the, in the red. We ensured fair compensation for our wonderful teachers who get better every year and support staff. I helped to successfully pass three bonds totaling 389 million to repair, renovate facilities, and build new classrooms. Our budget is bigger than the city's. It's over 200 million. I know how to handle a city budget. As your council member, I commit to working to keep our neighborhoods safe from supporting crimes of opportunity. I will work to strengthen city services for our residents. I will advocate to make major thoroughfares work more efficiently. I will expand services for Alhambra's seniors and the over almost 2,000 veterans we have living in our city. I support affordable housing and pledge to find solutions to rising rental costs. And I will find creative resolutions to build parks and create a healthier living environment for our residents. Together, let's build a better Alhambra, one that preserves the past and prepares for the future. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yep. So um, let me just reintroduce myself. I'm Andrea Loftas Casada. I'm running for District 1 City Council. I'm a teacher here at Alhambra High School, an artist and community organizer. On my campaign trail, I've been accused of being too nice more times than I can tell you. I've been accused of building coalitions, talking too long, and only seeing the good in people. I get it. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be patient when a city like Alhambra needs so much, when residents feel the pinch, when there are injustices, when our government, when it organizes and plans, it, it doesn't have that human touch. All of that gets on people's nerves. So I wanna say that I feel you, I'm with you, and I have had enough. I can't wait any longer. How long is it gonna take? I have all these rhetorical questions, but the reality is we need to invest in our people like I said many times, all of the answers are here. We need the political will. We need the strategies to bring those answers together so that we can all fulfill these promises. What is this prom? It's, it's the promise of government. It's the promise of community. We should all be better off together. I am sorry 
but it's hard not to be cynical. And I don't know how the activists in our city wake up every morning doing their research, but I'm here to tell you I'm with you. I am your warrior and I will continue to be nice and passionate and share my convictions with a smile. Again, I'm Andrea Loftas Casada. Thank you. Kathleen. I want to start out by appreciating this forum this evening to give everyone an opportunity to meet and listen to the candidates before the election day on November 6th. Based on my experiences speaking and listening to Alhambra residents for, from various districts, I came to the conclusion that, that there's a lack of information on how the government works in Alhambra. And there's also a huge disconnect to the city's government. Many residents voiced their frustration over the lack of assistance and responsiveness from the city. There is an also an overall sense of lack of government transparency in its operations and decision-making process. That's me speaking honestly. My platform is essentially a set of solutions as a response to these concerns. If elected, I will continue to seek residents' input by conducting a comprehensive and systematic survey citywide first year. That has to be done. Setting up regular ongoing resident advisory committees to provide input to the city council on various major issues before we make any major decisions for the city of Alhambra. I want to increase civic engagement through town hall meetings and invite leaders of local resident groups to the monthly city council meetings instead of signing up and get only three minutes per, per speaker. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak my mind tonight. Thank you. I want to use this opportunity to thank the event sponsors and to thank the Alhambra School District for making this space available to us and for supporting this event. I want to thank you for turning out tonight, but I especially want to thank the three candidates who had the courage of their convictions to show up and actually debate each other. And, sh and share their opinions with you. I want to remind you how important it is that you actually take the next and final step and vote. More people don't vote in the United States than vote. And our politics shows how well that's working for us. So I want to encourage you to exercise your civic right and do what the patriots promised would make us free and whole as a people and turn out and vote. Best wishes to each of these candidates and to you and to your beautiful city. Thank you very much. And that's it for this episode of the Alhambra Source Podcast. Kids and Candidates was co-sponsored by a community partnership made up of the Alhambra Preservation Group, Grassroots Alhambra, the Alhambra Teachers Association, Alhambra Latino Association, and Alhambra Source. Special thanks to Alhambra High School for allowing us to host our community event on their campus.
Freshen up on the Alhambra candidates by reading our interviews in the description. This episode was edited and produced by Stephanie Monte and Dominic Tovar. To our neighbors in Alhambra and the San Gabriel Valley, this podcast is for you. Listen and read more community stories about the issues affecting our beloved Alhambra, Gateway to the SGV, at alhambrasource.org. Alhambra Source is a project of the 501c3 nonprofit Community Partners, which means our independent reporting and transparent journalism is supported by grants and donations. Consider donating to our cause. I'm Dominic Tovar. Thank you for listening.